Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heart and Hand is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that hates it when people say we don't like to talk about referees, but... This week on Heart and Hand, we don't like to talk about referees, but... This season we've teamed up with Ladbrokes and we'll be bringing you plenty of specials. Our first is bet £5, get £20. This means if you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another £20 to your account. As a listener to this podcast, you can get this by following the link at bet.ibroxrocks.com. That's bet.ibroxrocks.com. We'll be tweeting this bet £5, get £20 link, adding it on our Facebook and we've put it in the description of this podcast too. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar and I'm joined this week by pod stalwart, pod legend. Yes, it's Mr Scott Vandenacker. Hi folks, it's great to be back and it's great not to be standing in a wind tunnel getting hit by a nest of bees. Yes, but uh, although our, our setup is much more professional these days and Scott and I have a certain sound quality, which is why we apologised at the sound quality of the last time Scott was on, um, you may hear a, what appears to be a snoring noise throughout this podcast and that's my dog Maya who, as I say, now, now follows me everywhere. So um, she won't leave. And uh, uh, unfortunately, Scott and I don't appear able to hold her interest and she's asleep. And therefore, she's probably like most of the rest of the listening public. Boom and if you must, boom. Oh, young David had another issue as well. He, he's not as well set up as he would like to be for this pod. Yeah, my, yeah, the, the, the PC that I use um, is, is very slow and Scott was suggesting a number of reasons for it but I think we all know, lads listening to this why my laptop isn't maybe working as fast as it did when I first got it Are there certain files on it that perhaps? 
let's just say I wouldn't be handing it into PC World. Ah, the Gary Glitter, as it's known. No, I'm going to directly take it. No, no. <laughs> no, so we're not, no, not literally. No, everything's nice and legal and consensual. It's just, you know. Um, Most, mostly consensual. Red-blooded male who, you know, has a lot of time on his hands. And, something, and a very big right arm. And something in his hands, yeah. It's, it's yes. Can't, can't, can't be helped. But uh, no, we're here now. And uh, Scott, before we start, loads to talk about this week. And people don't want to hear our drivel. They want to hear us talk about the game. But they're going to have to hear some of our drivel first. Scott had a very good point about Dundee United scorer on Saturday, Simon Murray, didn't you? Yep, he led the line very well. Appears a great signing. And looks exactly like a Jim Henson creation. But not one of the good ones. Not one of like the star Muppets or the star Sesame Street characters, but one of the background, like the, the sort of equivalent of a Muppet extra. Yeah, I mean, you expect him after the game get interviewed and his head would open. Mm-hmm. Like and he, when he spoke, it was just very like that. Maybe somebody like in a band or in a background scene like a waiter, that, that kind of Muppet. Yes, exactly, he's that kind of Muppet. He's, he's, he's not a Kermit or, or a Fozzie. Oh, oh, Kermit, you love Kermit, don't you? More than ninety nine percent of humans. Kermit, Kermit bloke gets sacked after twenty six years. What the voice? Yes. Why? Well, apparently he's always been a dick, right? Yeah. And the guy who played him was getting older and more, even more cranky and crotchety. And the official reason was he was leaving post it notes around the dressing rooms and offices, which were increasingly rude and unacceptable to cast and crew. I think that being Kermit, though, should should bestow upon you a certain status. Well, you think he could do it like he's Kermit. He's Kermit, exactly. I mean, who are these people to be, to be questioned? Although that means there's a job opportunity open. I mean, I could go for that. Although, well, my Kermit isn't bad, but what I, I'm really holding out for is, you know the characters Bert and Ernie? Love them. Right. From Sesame Street, I do an absolutely brilliant Ernie. Are you ready? Yes. Hey, Bert. That is fantastic. Hey, bird. Yeah, and I, I also know he's, um, the, the words to his, his, his most famous song. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. I could do that. Now, see if the, if the Muppet, whole, the whole Muppet world operates at lower league Scottish football. Mm. You could fire in your CV. Yes, I, 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 might, I might give it a try. Um, Scott, I think we've done our best to avoid getting onto the subject of a rather painful defeat, but um, unfortunately, uh, listeners, we're going we're gonna to have to get to it. Rangers, as, as I'm sure you all know, lost uh, 3-2 at home on Saturday to Hibs. Uh, Rangers started the match very well, um, scored early on through the impressive Alfredo Morelos, who already, I think, is, and we'll come back to him, already is looking like a guy with a lot of potential for us. Should have been... Uh, arguably uh, three up in the opening 20 minutes, playing some lovely stuff. The aforementioned Simon Murray dragged, pretty much single-handedly dragged Hibbs back into it with uh, a good individual goal, although some poor de- defending from us, and uh, I thought the keeper should have done better with that one. Hibbs were coming more into it at that point, I think it's fair to say, when Rangers had Ryan Jack sent off, and from there, almost immediately, Hibs spawned a, a fairly jammy second goal. Rangers didn't really recover until it was a bit too late. Hibs went 3-1 up in the second half. No, Rangers rallied late. We lost. Now that, on paper, sounds the story of the game. Very simplistic. Overly simplistic. Over the years, and there's lots of evidence to this, go back and, go back and listen 
we at Heart and Hand have generally said about referees that they're not bent, they're bad. Right? Scotland has substandard referees, especially when we're in the lower divisions. You could see that. And we've always, I think, Scott, said we got away with one there. You know, I think we're honest about that, aren't we? A lot of the antidote, this pod is meant to be an antidote to a lot of things about Scottish football. And one of them was the everyone's against us thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, we generally try to see the refs are poorly positioned, they're not up with play. And yeah, we try to lean quite heavily on the they're just a bit shit. Yeah, approach, which is fairer and probably true a lot, probably yeah. a lot of times true. And sometimes watching games at the time, you're you know you're angry and you're, you know your blood's boiling. We get that. That's part of it. That's part of the attraction of football. But I've genuinely never felt coming coming out of Ibrox and calming down and then going back and watching the game again for this as, uh, for the shows I always do that. It was anything other than human error. There was just a bad performance. The referee had a stinker, and there will be other times where we'll get a decision from from that self same referee. It's just the way the cookie crumbles. I can't honestly say that three or four days later. And people have said, "Well, you then you're accusing the referee of being a cheat." If he isn't a cheat. He is too incompetent to ever referee another professional football match at that level because John Beaton cheated 48,000 people out of seeing if their team could win a football match on Saturday. Now, I'm not saying we would have won it. I think we would have, but I'm not saying we would have. However, in the opening few minutes, I think it was after four or five minutes, Anthony Stokes uh, punches James Tavernier and then throws him to the ground. And both receive a yellow card. Not quite sure how that happened. Later on, there's that fracas that sees Ryan Jack sent off. Now, it doesn't look like Ryan Jack did much. People are saying from one angle, and I've seen it, it may appear that he does the jutting forward gesture. But there's no way that the, the Beaton can't have seen that during this, even if he does think it's a red card for Ryan Jack, that Anthony Stokes, who's on a yellow puts his hand on Ryan Jack's throat and shoves him back. Also, the self-same referee, when Ryan Jack did last season do the butting motion um, during a match during a match featuring Rangers, saw fit to yellow card him. Can you, can you think what the difference was then, Scott? Well, I would imagine the jersey colour. The jersey colour. And it continued with a string of baffling decisions, uh, including Alfredo Morelos being hauled down by Darren McGregor, um, again by the throat, and this somehow leading to Hibbs getting a free kick. Alfredo Morelos being booked, uh, and the referee breaking up his rhythm, and he was playing really well, but breaking up his rhythm, and I think driving him to the point of frustration where his performance became less effective... Uh, and eventually book it for pu- pulling him up for everything, and eventually booking him and doing that thing where they point and say four or five fouls. Whereas Hibbs, Dylan McGeoch made six, seven fouls and didn't receive the same punishment. And then after he had, in fact, been booked, he brought down somebody, both him and Darren McGregor, go for Alfredo Pena as he's bursting through, and McGeoch brings them down. The ref looks at both of them, sees McGeoch's on a yellow, and books McGregor because he knows he then won't have to send him off. I honestly, in all my years of watching Rangers, well, since I was old enough to know better and didn't think, you know, referee cheating bastards kind of thing, I've never thought anything other than genuine human error. 
all I'll say then, if that match was all genuine human error, you're not, you can't be a referee, John Beaton. You're not good enough. You can't ask people who are parting 25, 30 quid to attend a football match to be officiated by someone of your standard, if that is your genuine, honest best. David and I standpoint in this, it's quite clear that we were cheated, specifically in deliberate, worst professional refereeing performances that anyone has yet seen, by a referee that must, and I mean must, be taken off the Premier League fixtures for this weekend, and demoted and then investigated. He's either incompetent to the point of... And, and he, he was refereeing the match in a way, deliberately from the start, to influence the outcome. And the SPL and the SFA have to look at this as one of the two. There, there, there was nothing that you could you could do watching the match other than just throw your hands up and say that, that we are not going to be allowed to win this game. And I know what we sound like, and I do understand, and, you know, for the... Non-Rangers fans listening in, I, I, you're right. All the stuff we've accused other teams of over the year, um, you're right. And it's not a it's not a pose I take lightly or one that I enjoy having. But that was the first match ever where I felt that there, there was nothing. And you could see that it got to the players because it wasn't even a case of us not getting 50-50s. We, we weren't getting 80-20s. Um, it, it just was the most one-sided, blatant display I've ever seen. And... For the club to have not made a bigger thing of it, I think is a mistake. And that leads us on to our second point. The Hibs manager, Gollum's afterbirth, Neil Lennon. A snarling man-sized vagina with teeth. Not a very pleasant fellow. And he doesn't like us, and we don't like him. And that's, that's the way of the world, that's the way it's always going to be. After Hibs scored... Lennon turned round to the Rangers support and cupped his ears, did a get-it-right-up-you gesture. There was some talk that the, the police contacted the fourth official about it. Rangers fans complained to the police. And it led to a statement by Club 1872 um, who suggested that Lennon incited the crowd and it could have started a riot. Scott, your thoughts on it before I give you mine because I don't think mines are going to be that popular. Neil Lennon is a scrotum wearing a tracksuit with NL on the side. But I don't think he's the issue. And I don't think the club and Club 1872 should be wasting their resources and time. Albeit the club haven't done anything at all. I think the target should remain the refereeing, which is what cost us the game. Neil Lennon being a cock didn't cost us any points or any goals or, or any momentum in the game. I think it is a bit of a sideways look at what happened on Saturday. And it's sort of allowed, in my opinion, which could be wrong, I think it allowed a lot of people to build up the, the old poor old Lenny and not mention the referee. And I think that the club at, and Club Eighteen Seventy Two and the fans have to retain their focus on John Beaton's performance and what it entails for Scottish football. And I don't think we get sidetracked because attacking Neil Lennon lets as many, many, many supporters in the media go back to poor wee Lenny. He's always picked on by the Huns, which is one of their favourite albums. That that was it. So, so, I mean, what do you think, David? What's your take on on the response in the pub? Um, I think, firstly, and as I say, I, I generally kind of stay out of the club eighteen seventy two business because I think you know, given my past, I think I could be like you know the the ghost from Christmas past, and I don't think it's helpful. However, firstly, that's the fourth statement they've made in six weeks. 
that's too many. Um, that that's far far too many. I think you know when when we were at the trust, we maybe made that many over the course of two or three years because you want people to come to you for comment, and it runs the risk of when you're putting out. I think fairly pointless statements like this one, which read just like a stream of consciousness from an angry fan. I think it it then when you come up with a genuinely important one like they did a few weeks ago for the title stripping, I think that you then run the risk of turning people off to your important stuff. It's you know the boy who cried wolf, all that kind of thing. Um, they're too long, they're, they're not press releases, they're, they're essays, and they, they read like website articles to me rather than genuine you know, statements from a, from a fans group. I didn't like it. Um, firstly, for the main reason, the one you discussed, it took the attention off where the attention should have been, which was the refereeing performance. Um, within 24 hours, uh, Beaton was off the hook completely. Yes, he's been demoted for one week and then it's forgotten about and John Beaton will be taking a Rangers game in a few weeks. And that's... That's poor. But as you say, even if they hadn't known that was what was going to happen, they would then know that, it, it, they should have known that it was then going to allow Neil Lennon and his many cheerleaders to to play the victim card, which he loves doing, he's very good at it. The other thing about it is, Neil Lennon acting like a fanny is not Man Bites Dog. Neil Lennon doesn't like us and we don't like him. And that's fair enough. And we give him dogs abuse. And then when he scored, he turned around and gave us a bit back. Now, I know that people out there are going, oh, but Andy Halliday got sent off and they said uh, we could have incited a riot thing. Yep, and it was pish then and it's pish now. If you can't take somebody cupping their ear to you or even giving you that gesture, then you can't complain about things like the offensive behaviour at Football Act. Yes, it's a horrible law. Yes, you should be able to kind of sing what you like. It's up to you um, and all that kind of thing. But you can't argue that if you're then going to be offended at that. I wasn't offended at him doing it. I was annoyed and I, I hated him in that second because his team had scored. That's what annoyed me. And he was happy. This wee shite was happy and I wasn't. The only way you beat that is by beating him on the park. It's not by going to the cops. And I just, it, it's not for me. I also hate the fact that a fans group used the phrase, could have started a riot. That is one of those phrases that goes right up my arsehole sideways with a spike on. Because what it, it suggests, whether you mean it or not, is that the crowd are this mass angry, seething mob who are one second, one incident away from losing all control and and starting a riot. That's not the Rangers support. That That's not us. So for a fans group to say that, I felt was particularly disappointing and it's almost self-disrespecting to say that. It couldn't have started a riot because we're not like that. We don't pour onto pitches and, and behave like animals. Um, the, the only time Rangers fans have, have been on a pitch in years was to defend their players when they were being attacked. So don't make out. You, you feed in to, 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 to people who hate us. You're feeding them because you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah we're this uncontrollable mass of, of people with absolutely no impulse control. And I, and I hate it. The other thing is people are saying, well, you know, a manager should have more class. You're absolutely right. And aren't you glad that we don't have one like that? I just, the whole thing, as you said, Neil Lennon didn't cost us that game on Saturday. 
the referee did. Neil Lennon's a little shite and he hates us. We hate him. It will always be the case. He gets abuse at Ibrox. And let's be honest, we also know that some of the abuse he gets isn't, shall we say, good-natured. Um, he gave us a bit back. If you can't handle that, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I, it's just not for me, the idea of running to the police. And the justification for it of saying, I will they do that? No, not good enough. I don't want us to turn the other cheek, as people say, but fight battles that are important. This isn't. This is a sideshow. And not only is it a sideshow, it's one that we have entirely focused on and then let the real villain, the guy who did cheat us, away with it. I think club agents to have to be careful. What the club should probably do, and I think the fans might have appreciated, would be to have asked specifically what was going to be done at the what was said, maybe a debriefing almost, and they should have complained officially about the refereeing performance. As it is, I think you're right, he'll vanish well, do his fife be, you know, cow and beef, and then he'll creep back, and it'll all be forgotten about. I think clubs trying to think of what the refereeing display was about, but that's the club. Sometimes the club at the moment are just letting things pass so long that a statement becomes a bit pointless, even if it's made. I think we just realise that that's probably all that's going to happen now um, and we'll have to move on to the next game um, there are tactical issues to talk about from Saturday I suppose a lot of fans aren't receptive to that about how we played and that's understandable because we're all raw and we're all cut up about what happened um, and I wonder if you, what your thoughts were David can you do the from the referee or is it all just was our winning made too difficult by beating's terrible performance yes um, it was I I don't know how the game would have gone, but because of the way it was refereed, it's impossible to tell. Um, I've I've seen some people say things like Hibs were on top when Ryan Jack was sent off. No, no, they weren't. They had come back into it, but improving from being totally out of it to competing is not on top. It's an improvement, um, and some people have confused that with Hibs being on top. They weren't. The game was at best 50-50 at that point. So... I think Rangers have shown a tendency, even already um, this season, to start off really well and slow down a bit. So who knows? But I'd said on the Friday that I felt Rangers would would eke out a tough 2-1 victory, and that's probably what I would have gone for. But if we were a goal up and Stokes was sent off as he should have been after five minutes, then you'd have to say you'd be supremely confident of us going and getting it. I also think that the players reacted a little... I think that they got frustrated because they knew that they weren't going to be allowed to to build up any head of steam and you could see that it was starting to affect them and the amount of players who were approaching the referee at various points is, is not something that's usually seen at Ibrox and even at the end you could see them you know, asking for an explanation. Bruno Alves just looked utterly puzzled. He must have been thinking, you know, what the hell is this? And that's a guy who's played in Italy. He's used to seeing referees that are a bit questionable. Yeah, I think perhaps I was more... I wasn't entirely sure about what happened with substitutions. Um, I've done personally intensive, um, but I would have thought about bringing Rossiter on, trying to keep the midfield, if not flooded, then man from him. Stayed in the game at 2-1 as long as possible, trying to nick something, obviously, from set-pieces. And only trashing later in the game. I think surrendering midfield to go direct was not something I think should have been done as early as 45 minutes. 
I found that quite baffling. The blood dropping deep with Herrera left up front of his own. I, I didn't couldn't quite see what was happening. I think that you could argue that. I think you could definitely argue that the substitutions were poor. And I think it's a legitimate concern about Pedro Cascina, um that people have. You're one of them about his substitutions. But I just think that this game... I think this game can't be added in to, or taken as evidence. I think it really has to be treated in isolation because the circumstances around it were so unique, hopefully. Hopefully we never see a performance like that again from a referee that it becomes hard to tell. I've seen some ridiculous things like, oh, we should still be able to beat Hibs at home and all this shit. Hibs are a good side, right? Oh, they're a newly promoted team. So were we last season and we expected to do things. Hibs are a good team, right? We're not good enough at the moment to beat good teams with 10 men. And this kind of, oh, but we're Rangers attitude, just saying it doesn't make it so. I think we've got a decent team and, and actually for, you know, the kind of classless bastard that he is, Lennon's comments after the match seemed to suggest that and that he felt that was the case too. But we're not strong enough to go 60 minutes against a side full of confidence, getting every decision and beat them. I agree, I would have put Rossiter on and I would probably have gone four four one. But, you know, if he'd done that, would people have said he was trying to hang on for a draw? It would have been better than defeat, though. Yeah, but what if he hadn't? What if he hadn't managed it? You know, what if he puts Rossiter on and we sit back and we defend and then Hibs score in the last five minutes? He's going to get slaughtered. Um, this is what I mean. The the situation had been taken out of our hands at that point. Yeah, I just think obviously there's still some worrying signs, but yeah, I think ultimately this team we have to set it aside and see what the fallout is. See if anything more happens, pushing, and see if anything actually comes out of this. If the performance is investigated, and we have to hope that on Saturday nothing like this can happen again. Surely, even if it was deliberate, they wouldn't. There's no chance that that will happen against Hearts. You would think. No, we, we, we you, you just you just hope the referee comes along and referees the game and doesn't look to create incidents where none happen. I mean, it was obviously a high tempo game. Stokes should have been sent off. Uh, the thing is, even if he'd done the Jack thing and he'd sent Stokes off at the same time. Then you would have been thinking, okay, fair enough. Um, but but how McGregor ended up staying on, how McGeoch ended up staying on, uh, it, it baffled belief. And then there were other games on Saturday. Craig Thompson's been relegated to the lower division. Scotland has a refereeing problem. And one of the issues, Scott, is that we never address it because if you criticise referees, the, the SFA come out and say, oh, they have a tough job, it's impossible to do. Yes, it is, but they get a £1,000 a game for doing it, and they want to do it. So don't give me that pish about, oh, it's a tough game and loads of abuse. They want to do it, and they're doing it badly, and it's affecting us. And me personally, I don't like the idea, incidentally, of they're demoted for a week, because I think that just says to people who are paying their hard-earned cash, OK, less people, but people who are paying their hard-earned cash to go in and see a championship game, they're saying... Here's these two complete fucking blunderbusses who made such an arse of it last week. We're taking them away from the big game, but they can fuck up your diddy match. I think the referee should be taken out completely. Beaton's case? No, no, don't, I'm joking. Um, should be taken out of, of refereeing <laughs> as a punishment for a week or whatever. And, you know, that they're going to be made to watch the game and told what they did wrong and, and be, you know... The way that almost, if you like, when you know you you need to go on a driving safety course if you rack up too many points, that kind of thing. I think just sending them to a less glamorous game where they can make where their mistakes, if they happen, will only happen in front of a few hundred. Uh, to me, that that's 
an insult to the clubs that it's happening to and not a big enough incentive to the referee to improve. And as I say, people say things like, oh, it's a tough job, would you want to do it? No, hence why I wouldn't put myself forward for it. They have, they get paid for it, they get paid a decent amount of money for it, they have to be better at it. And also, at the weekend, Chris the they still get paid. And I think you're right, that's not really a punishment, getting a different type of punishment. Especially as you say, there's not actually more to come from it. So you get demoted for it paid, and then nothing more is said about the game you fucked up. Yeah. I don't really understand what they learn from that experience. I don't really see how they're punished. No, they're, they're not punished. It's if, if you like, it's it's almost like a public shaming. So if you're going to do that, then do it. Take the say that they won't be allowed to officiate this weekend because demoting them is is a public shaming. That's what you're doing. Take them out. Tell them, look, you need to go through this with a, a former referee or whatever, or a referee from a country where they have referees who know what they're fucking doing. And um, that's your punishment. But there's a tendency for the the SFA and the, the the match officials to just sort of you know pull together, which I do understand. But because the the SFA is so sensitive of criticism to referees, they they don't allow any. I I think that that's an unhelpful thing. And you know, again, it comes back to you're charging people to get into these games. It was a lot of money. Beaten should have been made to explain those decisions to the public. At the end of the day, we're customers, over and above being supporters and all the rest of it. We paid yeah, money. Can, yeah, I'm saying if he's getting paid for it, you're right. He he didn't he didn't step over for a favour and say, look, lads, I'll give it a go. I'm not much of a ref. He's getting paid to do this. And therefore, yeah, he should have to explain when he fucks up. Same as anybody would. Anyone who does a job and fucks up would have to go to the boss and explain precisely why they had. I just don't understand why... They're taking out the firing line and then put back in the firing with no reflection on the game they ruined and a benefit Scottish football or them. It's, it's baffling what they're trying to put on the firing line from one week thing. I don't. I, I personally it baffles me as to who benefits from it. So it was a pretty painful week and it's it's engendered some soul searching. Um, as I say, I mean losing to Hibs is never is never acceptable, especially at home. There's you know, there's obviously the bad feeling from the cup final. We wanted to beat them. Positive signs, I think, are that you know the the team do look decent in an attacking sense. Still concerns about the defence. I think you're right. You know, the substitutions are something that we can discuss. But um, Morelos, in particular, Scott though, does look like a real, you know, a real beam of light at the moment. He's he's the first player I think since Warburton first arrived. And this sort of thing about getting young players in, we'll make them better, and we'll sell them on, and they'll prove to be. He's the first one you can actually see. He might have been a bit of an unpolished diamond. We might have actually found someone who will end up being sold on for more money. He does look a good striker, very raw, but he does look like he knows where the back of the net is. And if he can get to 20 goals this season, 15, 20 goals, yeah, I think he looks like he could be the real deal. It does look that way to me. I like him a lot. Okay then, folks. Well, Scott and I, as you can probably tell, are experiencing technical difficulties. It seems uh, we're a bit cursed uh, at the moment. So what we're going to do then is just uh, move on with a due sense of dread to this week's Sporting Integrity Award. (laughs) 
The Sporting Integrity Award is when we look around the world of sport and see who's made the biggest arsehole of themselves over the past seven days. Yes, it's Neil Lennon and John Beaton. We know that. But we want to see who ends up on the podium next to them. So, Scott, can you give us the runners and riders? First of all, David will confirm in a moment, folks, it's fucking me. Yes. It really is me. It really was, Scott. The reason that the first half of this pod sounds so bad is Scott. It is. I just found out it was me. Yes. Um, and it's good because he fought a really a really hard fight to say it wasn't him, but it was. And the reason that it sounded so bad the other week was Scott. He's a knob. Technology. Well, David did say that I can't be trusted not to break the interweb or myself, and he's right. Somebody uh, asked me the I, I other don't... day what, what would happen to the pod if I died. Who would I leave it to? And I said, giving it to you would be... Or a friend said to me, giving it to you would be the equivalent of asking Father Dougal to do a funeral. Yes, I just can't be trusted. I mean, I can't... To be honest, I can't really work Skype or computers or microphones. So why I volunteer to do a pod, I've got absolutely no idea. Or find your ass with both hands. I managed that earlier this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd need um, to see photographic proof. Anyway, right. moving on. You wouldn't... You wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't you wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> want to see it. No, it's a fair right. point. Today, we've got, these are the runners and riders. David, we have an Italian legend stroke nutter. Always my... I've, listen, always like Italian legend stroke nutters. Um, a wily German, yeah, like like uh, like Rommel. Yes, a wily German, probably less destructive to the Eighth Army and more football related. Okay, yeah, but like Rommel. Okay, you hear, uh, you hear uh, wily German, you think Rommel. You do, don't you? Yeah, um, never really a Nazi. That's what everyone always says. Rommel, he wasn't really a Nazi. Yeah, he he was a nice nice Nazi. <laughs> Killed lots of folk, but he wasn't a Nazi. Yeah, a, a pole, a pole, but not called Volta. Oh, okay. Disappointingly. And a, and a knight, knightess of the realm, a dame of the realm. A dame of the realm, not a dame as in a 1930s sort of noir detective thing, you know. I know the moment she walked in a room, she was danger, that kind of thing. No, nor also a dame like Amanda Subs, a lady in a pantomime, or Elaine C. Smith in a pantomime. <laughs> I know that shouldn't have tackled me, but yeah, you're right. It's very difficult to tell the difference between Christopher Biggins dressed up as a woman and Elaine C. Smith dressed up as a woman. And it genu- <laughs> genuinely is. I'm picturing yeah. them now. And you're like, yep, yeah. <laughs> Elaine C. Smith look as a man dressed up as a woman. She lady. does. She, she looks like a pantomime dame. So there, folks, that's an image you'll never lose. Um, so let me start with a wily German that isn't Rommel, okay. if I may. Okay. Um, he's called Christian Heidel, and he's the chief executive officer of Schalke. Okay, okay, cool. And big club. So he decided big underrated club. Sorry? They get eighty thousand. You know, every we never really think of them over here, but they should do better than they do. Do you know what they are? They're not Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. They, they, That's what annoys their fans. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they're the exact same as Borussia. They're traditionally as big, if not bigger, but they're not as famous in the world. Borussia Dortmund is kind of Liverpool-y thing, you know, everyone loves us. And Schalke can't get a look in despite being a massive, huge club. But Christian Heidel decided that finding youngsters these days, well, players in general, was a bit pointless because they were minted, right? Mm. So he decided a novel way of punishing those who break club rules. And I like this a lot. Although I think you'll be able to riff a bit on what the punishment is, bearing in mind our current situation. But he punished them by making them work in the club shop. Well, that's quite a good idea. You can't hit them with fines, they're all too rich. Yeah, there's, there's no point taking five grand off a guy and 25 grand. It could grand even happen week. on a day off. Yes, sensible. No, 
So they make the club stop on the time off, even if it's a free day. Now, the problem with that, of course, for Rangers would be, what would they do until October? Yes, exactly. I was going to say they could work at the club shop and all they would need to do is, uh, it'll be in October, mate. It'll be in October, mate. Check back in October, mate. That's that's literally it. Just hold a sign in place. It's our old friend Antonio Cassano. 35-year-old striker, came back after injury and decided to join Hellas Verona. Ah, season with. However, eight days after the job, yes, great team, great book. Um, he eight days after joining them, he changed his mind and said he's retiring from football. That's a bit annoying. I hate when football. The next that. day, yeah, I know. They, you think they're going to retire? And, oh, they're joining you, then they're not joining you. They do a bit a, like Jardel. They, they do it a lot in Championship Manager, and it drives you fucking nuts. But anyway, can you not stop them because you sort of control the game? No, no, because when they retire, that's them out the game. Oh, well, so. Eight days later, he said he's retiring from football. However, try and stick with us, David, OK? The day after that, he came back to football and said Verona fans he was committed to the club and would score many goals for them. OK. Then the next day after that, <laughs> he, walked, <laughs> he walked away again, saying, I've reflected on it. In the end, I've decided that Antonio Cassano will not play football anymore for anyone. That's it. That's the kind, Now he has retired. That's the kind of thing that... I would have laughed at it probably a lot more heartily a few years ago. But that's the kind of thing that would have happened to us in the lower divisions. Yes, it's, it's the kind of thing that happens when things aren't quite right yeah. at your club. And you've got a mentalist Italian striker. Yep. So he joined Verona, unjoined Verona, rejoined Verona, fully committed, and then unjoined them the next day after that again. In the space of three days. Uh, that's magnificent. And he also ended, of course, by speaking about himself in the third person. Even better. Um, to be honest, Scott, any other week he'd be walking away with it, but we know, you know, it's shared between Beaton and Lennon. But anyway, moving on. Well, okay, um, I'll try. I'll try again. We're going to a Polish legend, Zbigniew Boniek. Oh yes, yes, classy player. He's a classy. Is he a classy man, though, David? Only you can decide. Go on. He, he was elected to the new FIFA board. The new, he stepped up to join the new clean. Clean FIFA executive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seems awful <laughs> like the old one. Yes. Uh, yes. Just before he was elected, he tweeted, without exaggeration, when we talk about football, any of us together, a woman's input is completely useless. That's disgraceful and disgusting, and, you know, I'm not in any way, shape, or form condoning that. But. It's true. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Boniak told critics later it was a joke of course you didn't get it not everyone has intelligence to get us a big Nev Boniak joke I like that that's the kind of thing I'd say but then two, so two weeks later after this uh, twa, twatter twitter twatter twatter he did get his seat on the UEFA board and he decided to tell the Polish press about why he'd wanted and you know David I'm hoping as are you that in this new era for FIFA it's to clean up the game yes for grassroots football in Poland Hopefully to also make football be a voice against violence and, and racism and people smuggling. But, but it's not. That's a shame. Not, not sure. A shame. Do you know what it's for? But a shame. What's it for? What's it for? I suppose it's a bit about vanity, yes. And I suppose it's really convenient too. When you're on the committee, if you want to go to Real v Bayern, you call them up and the next day you have a plane, hotel and tickets, voila, it's awesome. It's also attractive. <laughs> also attractive. I get a six-figure salary for part-time hours, and you know me, I love golf and horse riding. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's fantastic. It's it's the most honestly brilliant interview I've ever seen it in my life. It's just we, we always say we want more in, like more honesty from from those at the top. So I mean, at least he's not sugarcoating it. No, so that's big now. Benny of reasons for uh, joining uh, FIFA, and I'm going to end with something that is a bit upsetting, actually, David. More than more than amusing, um, I get involved in a bit of an online sort of spat with uh, Dame Helen Mirren. What today? I know, I know, I know that she's got a knighthood, or a and I know knighthood. she's a bit, or damehood, or whatever. Yeah, and I, I know she shouldn't have, but I'm sorry. How did this I, happen? Well, Dame Helen Warren posted online that when she looks back at the 70s and 80s, she thinks her tits were too big. Her tits were too big? Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. She was a young actress. No. So, I decided to, this is where the internet bit comes in, and I decided to check online whether that was true. And what were your conclusions after the scientific experiment? I'm I'm sorry, David, I didn't even have to say this, because I love her stuff, I love her stuff. Over the years, she's such a wonderful actress, but she's also just a lying bastard. Were her tits her perfectly tits reasonably sized? Absolutely magnificent. There's nothing wrong with them at all back then. But, uh, well, I mean, how can, did you tell all this? Well, well, no. I mean, when I say I was involved in an internet spat, it was mainly one side. It was me, mainly. She doesn't know this. But right. And what were you internet spitting? Well, I think possibly that's for me to know and you to find out. It was a Dutch uh, tea break, as it's known. Aren't all your tea breaks a Dutch tea break? Yeah, but not not all literally. Oh right, okay. Well, um, it's like it's like when I say to Elaine we're on holiday, or the kids if we're doing blind man's buff and I give them a Dutch blindfold, it can't be literally. Yeah, no. In your case, it's it's true. And same if you fart in bed, it's a Dutch oven. But if you were to buy an oven, it's a Dutch oven. Yeah, and it can't all be literally. I can't go into shop and say, "Can I have a Dutch oven?" Because then somebody might fart under a duvet in a shop, and it's just too complicated. Just, so it can't all be little, David. It can't it, all be. It's too much. We actually don't make enough play out the fact you've got a, a daft name, do we? We really should, you know, try and get I'm, more out of that. It's taken you about six years and about two hundred episodes to mention a Dutch oven. Yeah, I don't think it has, mate. I think we've mentioned it before. The best one, of Fair course. Enough, the, the best one, of course, is the duck blindfold, which is when you place when a gentleman places his testicles into uh, one into each of his wife's eye socket. Yeah, wakes her up, and then she's like, "Ah, I've gone blind." <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> ah, my eyes have gone all hairy. Yeah, and in fact, she hasn't gone blind. She hasn't. She just has. She just has a man's testicles in her eyes. Well, which Scott, the, the audience are crying out for John Beaton and Neil Lennon, and we're going to give them their own sort of separate. You know, street of shame this week, but I think definitely he's a big new Boniac would deserve something in the po- he would he would be getting a kind of swap shop pen through the post. Um, in any other week, oh, oh. I'm going to write him say Spignyev. In any other week, big man, you just yeah, you know, we'll send you a t-shirt, a cyber yeah. t-shirt, not not a real t-shirt. We'll send He's going to have to walk t-shirt. past the speedboat, and as we show him what he could have won. Yes, exactly. But uh, yeah. congratulations to Zubigny Boniek, uh, Neil Lennon, and John Beaton. You're this week's Sporting Integrity Award winners. So that's it then from Heart and Hand uh, this week. Uh, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, to thank my guest this evening, Mr Scott Vandenacker. If I ever fuck up the technical side of this pod again, 
you can all punch me in the face on the 25th of August, okay? That's uh, um, uh, that, that's nicely said, big man. Uh, just to remind everybody that bought tickets for the 25th of August, tickets are not sent out. Your name will be on the door. So uh, if you uh, have any concerns that your tickets haven't arrived, they're not going to. Your name will be on the door. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing all of you that night. Uh, I've been... Busy collecting prizes for the raffle, and I've got some crackers, including a signed George Alberts jersey. Yeah? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a framed and signed picture of Pedro Cascina. I'm going to try and get a... I should probably get a signed framed picture of uh, Dame Helen Warren's tits in the 70s, shouldn't I? Yes. You absolutely right should. Just, right <laughs> turn to saying, just say, like, Dame, Dame Helen, big fan, big fan. Yeah. Loved you in Prime Suspect. Any chance of a big photo of your tits? Signed for the raffle, mean the lads are doing. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of. Don't ask. It's kind of for charity. In a way, it is. And it, I'm sure. She, I know she has a lot of work for charity, so. So you, you never know. You don't ask, you don't get. And probably you don't. If you do ask, you probably do get prison time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. My name's David Edgar, and I'll talk to you later this week. Cheers. Bye. Heart and Hand is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.